Hello. 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 And welcome to Mobilize. Mobilize is a podcast that puts a spotlight on and is a resource for people, people, friends, communities, communities activists, activists who have decided to stand up, resist, 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 fight back, mobilize. Each day, together, together, we shine a light on the we truth. Shine a light on the we truth. focus on the things that unite us. We pull each other up. We celebrate, we celebrate our, our shared humanity. humanity. Episode 8, Con Con. My name is Zoe, and for the last couple months, I've been working behind the scenes for Mobilize. Amber Sexton came into the studio and sat down with Corey to talk about the New York State Constitutional Convention referendum. Every 20 years, New Yorkers have the right to alter their state constitution when the interests of the people and the legislature conflict. This process is completely independent of legislature control. And with Donald Trump in office, I believe our interests conflict now more than ever. Welcome to the studio, and thanks again for doing this. No problem. Great. Have you ever done a podcast before? No, no. I've never done any audio thing ever. So this should be a lot of fun. Let's throw our headphones on. Okay. So the way I heard about you right after the election, there was one spreadsheet that was pretty widely shared called We're His Problem Now. It was kind of a script on how to call your representatives. And while I was talking about this Google Doc and I was like, man, this woman really has it together, my wife, she's like, oh, this woman seems to really have it together in a Google Doc as well. And she forwarded me your Google Doc. Yes. It's now one of two of my Google Docs. But yes, yeah. Right after the election, I kind of had a nervous breakdown. I really freaked out. I was deeply upset. I just had to protect myself because I was really in a tender place. I did have to look at media to some degree because I work in that field. I couldn't be completely ignorant. So that's what led me to, I think, doing the writing because I could do it at home. And there was a meeting in my neighborhood, and I wanted to talk about the Constitutional Convention referendum. And so I realized I better have something to share with people by email. And I got, like, two email addresses. So I was like, well, nobody cares. But it's weird because I posted it in a couple spots, and it ended up being a thing. I wasn't thinking much more beyond that day when I did it. That's part of what really excited me to reach out to you, because this whole podcast is about people who are not necessarily career politicians, people who have decided to resist and fight back. Out of curiosity, do you listen to WNYC or The Brian Lehrer Show? Yes, all the time. I remember catching it once where Bill de Blasio had mentioned that he really felt like New York State needs early voting. And I remember thinking to myself, oh, yeah, I agree with that. And he mentioned the way for that to happen, among other things, would be a constitutional amendment. Yes, it would. The system, the way it works in New York, stays the way it is because we have very low voter turnout and they want to keep it that way. 
we have the second lowest turnout of any state in terms of our elections. And I think it's because we purposely make it hard to participate. People were excited by Sanders, and then they realized that all these things were in place that would make it hard for them to vote for Sanders because New York State requires you to change your party designation in the previous October from the primary. It's the previous calendar year. And we also have really poor access for disabled people. Polling places will be marked accessible, but the doors will not be wide enough. There'll be obstructions. They won't really satisfy it. And they're constantly violating the law and they don't really seem to care. So we need a mail-in voting system. We don't have excuse-free absentee voting. You have to specifically say that you're ill, disabled, going to be out of the state on Election Day. We just instituted in-person absentee voting, but the people who tried to do it found that people at the boards of elections were totally clueless about it. They're like, we don't have the ballots. People were like, it's a print-on-demand ballot. <laughs> like, the people who were voting knew this. The people at the boards of election didn't know. So we have to lay groundwork now for when people get excited. And we have to also lay groundwork now because our state will never change some of these things that really need to be changed. And I just want to say that early voting is not my primary reason for being for the New York State Constitutional Convention referendum. It's just a way to get some protections passed for New Yorkers because our legislature will not do it. It's been in our Constitution, I believe, since the 1860s, but certainly since the 1890s, that this comes up every 20 years. And it is designed for people to be able to bypass the legislature. I think it's very prescient and very thoughtful that they thought that there might be times when the government would be entrenched and not have voter citizen interest at heart. And it gave this automatic mechanism, which cannot be taken away. Basically what you're saying, you feel like the best way to get something done is to completely bypass the state government. It just shows how terrible our state government is. It is probably the worst or second worst in the country in terms of dysfunction and corruption. You know, we had the Republican leader and the Democratic leader both convicted of using their office for self-dealing. And that's the other reason why I think this is a well-timed moment, because people may not know a lot about state politics, but they do remember that, because that was in the news. People know that things are bad because two of the top three people in the state are going to jail because they did illegal things with their office. They made money with their office. But it's true in a lot of places that there's much more scrutiny paid to the federal government. It's covered in the major news outlets every day. I don't think this was in the design of our country, but people know the least about their most local governments. And New York state government, I think people know less about in New York City than we know about our city government. So it's probably the most remote. And there are certain flaws in it that take advantage of the fact that people don't pay attention to it and don't know what it is. People know that it's bad. So we need to educate people about the process. Why would you want to change our Constitution? We haven't changed it since 1938. So we have a lot of gaps. We have a lot of things in it that are missing. And then we also have a state government which has tremendous ethics problems, tremendous campaign finance problems, and entrenched interests. They gerrymander the districts to protect each other. So I don't know if you know this, but the assembly has been dominated by Democrats. The previous leader was the leader for 25 years, Sheldon Silver. 
and he was convicted of abusing his office. You know, anytime redistricting came up after a sentence, he would make a deal with whoever was in charge of the state Senate, which was always a Republican, and he would let them have their Senate districts that they wanted, as long as the Assembly could have its districts that they wanted. And for a lot of years, they would also not run candidates against each other in the Assembly, or not seriously run. That started to change in terms of seriously run because people like Tom Duane and Liz Kruger were like, we have to compete for the Senate. And so it started to change and the Senate started to flip to more Democrats. But then what the GOP does is that they used to offer Democrats money, basically like, we'll give you a leadership post, which comes with a $27,000 raise if you switch parties. But now what they're doing is they're offering leadership positions to Democrats, and the Democrats stay Democrats, but they caucus with the Republicans, and they become part of the Republican majority. They're called the IDC Democrats. Basically, they're getting paid to betray their voters. And there's eight of them. And that's the way that the GOP is keeping control of the Senate. So just to be clear, these IDC folks are caucusing with the Republicans? That's right. This is a problem because, obviously, this is not what people voted for. Even though the Senate gerrymandered its districts to be favorable to Republicans, there's still a majority. There's still 31 Democrats, but it's not a ruling majority because these people are caucusing with the GOP. And when I say caucusing, in the New York state legislature, it's three men in a room. It is only the leaders that have nearly all the power. So even though these people are getting leadership posts, nobody in either of these bodies can introduce their own legislation without permission from the leader. So what happens is, let's say Andrew Cuomo will introduce a popular bill, the Assembly will introduce a popular-sounding bill, the Senate will not allow it to floor. So let me just clarify. You're saying that the majority leader in the Senate gets to decide what goes up for vote. Yes. And the majority in the Senate is Republican because of the IDC. And even though a bill may be brought up in the House, it will never go to vote in the Senate. Because they don't want these Democrats to vote for it. I mean, the Democrats, if given pressure, they will vote for this thing because they say that their platform is very, very progressive. But the point is they're caucusing with people who will not let bills come to the floor. And so one of the reasons why I think we need a constitutional convention referendum to pass is that it will allow us to elect a delegate government. It's essentially a separate government that you elect for a temporary period of time just for the convention, and they can introduce measures that bypass the system entirely, and then it goes directly to voters. So we could put women's equality, trans equality, just general gender non-discrimination in our Constitution. In New York State, we do have legislation that protects people from discrimination based on sexual orientation, but does not include transgender. And there's no legislation or constitutional protection for women. There's no women's equality legislation or constitutional protection. We are relying entirely on the federal, the state of federal law in that case. So we don't know what's going to happen to federal law in Trump or in the post-Trump echo, you know, after he leaves, what the ripples are going to be. And we have this once-in-a-lifetime, you know, once-in-a-generation opportunity. I would have been in favor of the referendum even if Clinton got in because I feel strongly that we need to expand voting access. We need early voting. We need a lot of changes to open voting to people. And we need to change gerrymandering. And those are two things that I don't see our legislature ever doing. 
But now we have all these other things that we really need to make sure happen because we have Trump. I was completely unaware of this constitutional referendum. I want to know, are you working with anybody else? I'm working with a group of people who have broken off from the Women's March National Group to form a New York-based group called Forward March New York. Those people found my document. They have written more materials. We're going to all the different meetings related to this. There are groups who are for it that I'm not connected to. One of them is the Committee for a Constitutional Convention. And these are 40 people who are prominent legal scholars, constitutional academics, and also members of various interest communities. But what's interesting is that we're all unconnected with any Democratic establishment There could be some Democratic legislators who would be in favor of this, but the unions will have promised them that they will have a thousand people at their doorstep if they come out in favor of it. Why are the unions opposed to this? The unions are against this because they are protected in our Constitution and they have nothing else to gain. Collective bargaining is protected, as is the pension system. The pensions are also protected by the contract itself that unions have with the state. So they're actually double protected on that. But that's what they say. They're going to take away your pension if they vote for this. You're saying there's union opposition to a constitutional referendum because they're afraid that the constitutional referendum will result in people taking away the codification of the right to unionize from our constitution. Yes, And is there evidence that there are people who would immediately introduce that sort of legislation? No, there's nobody advocating for that. And the thing about it is that it is an open process. So if you're especially fearful and conservative and you want to preserve what you have, you might be afraid of a process which could theoretically propose anything. But that doesn't mean that it will propose anything. And I strongly feel that voters would reject any bad changes. New Yorkers have a record of voting down any constitutional changes that have any type of poison pill in them. And in 1967, they rejected the entire revision of the Constitution, largely because of one change that was unpalatable. And I definitely feel that would happen again. I mean, you could say, oh, well, the process was a waste. And probably it was, because they should have broken this up into different questions. So the worst... I feel that could happen is that we don't pass this referendum and that we don't pass enough or any good changes. And so we're first trying to educate people that this is happening. And we're trying to give them good reasons to be in favor of it, even if their union doesn't like it. And I'm in a union myself, and I'm still very much in favor of this. And then we have to elect good delegates. And then we have to pressure. You know, it's like any government process. We have to pressure. We have to monitor. We have to see that good stories are coming out about what's passing the convention, what's being talked about in the convention. One of the things we want a good delegate to do is promise to break questions up for people to vote up or down because there has been success in passing some things just in that very way. I want people to understand what the process is if they approve this referendum. The referendum comes for a vote on November 7th. If it is approved, there will be an election the following year for delegates. It will be three delegates per state Senate district and 15 at-large delegates. This will be possibly decided in court. And it'll either be you'll vote for all three or you'll vote for one and it'll be the top three. And then there are 15 statewide at-large delegates that are currently elected by Slate 
Then they will convene in April of 2019. There's no fixed end for a convention, but many assume that they will have their work done by the deadline is six weeks before things are put before voters. But they could go all through 2019 and it could go before voters in 2020. But that's likely what would happen. Anything that would be approved would take effect the following January. Can you explain just real quick, what does elected by slate mean? That you vote for a slate of 15 people. You don't get to pick them individually. And sometimes they are not individually named because it's the people who didn't get enough votes and from the other districts that are chosen. So you choose between different slates? Yes, you would choose the Democratic slate, Republican slate. Hopefully the other minority parties in New York might get involved, but you would vote based on slate. Do any of you plan on running for office yourself? If we pass this convention, I would like to run as a delegate. You're actually pretty good at speaking. I think you'd be a great delegate. (laughs) So just to go back a little bit, you got a pretty big response for people you don't know seeking you out and contacting you about this document. You've definitely struck a chord How does it feel to be that person that some people have found as a leader? How does it feel that you have offered direction to people? I don't think a leader. I mean, I've provided a slight framework and then people from the Women's March who, you know, they have advertising backgrounds and stuff. So they're really good at writing for public understanding in a way that, you know, I don't have a writing background at all. Even though we don't have a leader, the people who are behind this, we will need somebody to step out. And most of the groups that I'm working with are trying to find someone to say something. It just depends who's brave enough to do it and who won't face a cost for doing it. And, uh, you know, politicians have to think about their survival in a way that we as citizens don't. We will actually need not just more coverage, but we need somebody big to say something, either a politician or someone else known to be in favor of the public good. We will need somebody famous to say something about this. Honestly, I do think that. Thank you so much for coming, first of all. All right. Thank you. This was great. Yeah, I hope you had fun. I had a great time. And I just want to say, vote yes for a New York State Constitutional Convention. It is coming up on November 7th. You'll get a chance to change our state and help protect people who are in the crosshairs of Trump. Thank you for listening to the latest episode of Mobilize. To share your story, go to mobilizehere.com. And for more information about the Constitutional Convention referendum, go to newyorkconcon.info. New York, C-O-N-C-O-N dot info. 